FaceTime is your friend. We have the technology, let's use it to our advantage. No more bad dates, no more frustrating experiences. If you could take 30 minutes from the comfort of your home to do a little bit of extra vetting, it will save you so much anxiety and drama down the line. Welcome to the Asian Dating Podcast. I'm your host, May Bugenhagen. I am the founder of Two Asia Matchmakers, which is a boutique matchmaking company that started in 2009 in Los Angeles. I help men all across the U.S. meet lovely Asian women. Today, I have a guest. Her name is Radha Patel. She is based out of Dallas, Texas, has been married for 14 years with two kids and a family dog. Never having used dating apps before, she was surprised to hear from so many of her friends and family how they were just not working. Most of the singles she spoke with said they were open to being introduced, but either their networks weren't that big or they were just being set up with people they had nothing in common with. Radha decided her approach would be to serve an extension of your friend group to make more meaningful introductions. Welcome to the show, Rada. How are you? Thank you, May. I'm doing well. Thanks so much for having me. Yes, yes. I know you work with a specific niche in the market. Can you tell the audience a little bit about what your niche is and how you started to develop that and what... what the company is like today. Absolutely. So Single to Shadi, we work with South Asian singles that live and work in the US and Canada. I came up with this idea after hearing just from my own friends and family, they wanted to date within the community. It was important to them culturally and for their family, but they didn't really know where to go. Either they were in their thirties living life and their networks have gotten smaller, or it was just hard connecting with somebody that culturally still fit where they were Eastern values and Western values at the same time. And so, you know, for me, I kind of lived this experience. I knew it was important to me to date and marry within my culture. And I was luckily successful enough to do that. My sister and a lot of people in my family, I'd seen gone through the process. So I'd seen the struggles, but I'd also seen the successes. And I thought, okay, I want to be able to help and make successful matches for all those people that matter to me. And that's really how I got started. So tell me, how did you come up with the name, Single to Shadi? What does that mean? Very alliterative, number one. I love it when things have a catchy rhyme or a feel to them. And so Shadi in Hindi or a lot of those um, Indian-based alphabet languages, it stands for marriage or wedding. So the concept is we're going from single to wedding or marriage. But I also say it's a journey. It's not like you're gonna get married tomorrow. We have to do this path of self-discovery, understanding, and then fulfilling that obligation or, uh, or wish to be married. So what's the first step in fulfilling the, the steps? Like what is your first step to, what did you say, fulfilling what at the beginning? fulfilling your obligation or your wish to want to be married. You know, um, I would say the first step, and this is what I tell all of my clients is you have to do the inner work. You're a coach, May, you, you know how important it is for people to know really what's important to them, kind of resolve the struggles or that internal conflict that they may be coming with them. We see a lot of this in immigrant communities or, or, um, niche communities like this, when you're trying to balance some of your preferences versus family preferences, and you're really trying to draw or straddle a fine line that maybe not many people had done before you, you feel like you're doing it all by yourself. So I want to make sure that people who come to us and work with us saying that they're ready to find a partner or a spouse have done 
taken the minute, done the work, understands what it means to want to be in a married committed relationship and what this is going to look like for them after marriage, right? Once you find your guy, is this going to help you achieve what you want in your dreams in your life? So before you even work with me, you kind of have to know a little bit about what you want, why you want it and where you're going in life. So what age range do you think a woman really figures out what they want in life? Like based on your experience, do you feel like, yeah, women after a certain age, 31 or 35 or 39, like what, what is that magic number? I'm in my forties and I still don't think I have it all figured out, <laughs> but for us, so I'll just bare bones, we a minimum age of 25 and older in order to be a part of our database. And that goes to the fact that we want you to be able to have those experiences, go out, date, have your heart broken, see kind of like, oh, I like this type of guy. I like this type of woman. I appreciate this type of interaction. Uh, my attachment style might be X. My love language might be Y. Go out there and figure out who you are. I don't necessarily think that 25 is the right age, but in order to give people that breathing room, we don't take them earlier than the age of 25. But it could be that you're 35 and that's when you got your 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 mind right and know what you want and are seriously looking. So any any age range, you can come to that realization, but we wanna give you that time and space to do that. Now, how did you and your husband meet? Great question. <laughs> um, I say that I am the lived experience for my clients because having been born and raised in this country, I knew it was important to me to want to marry culturally, um, something that was my background, my religion, and also my immigration experience. Being born and raised here, I wanted somebody else who was also born and raised here. I come from a family that was business owners, and it was important to me that his family understood uh, what it was like to grow up working in a family business versus being in a professional career. So all of these kind of subtleties that were important to me is what I still find is important to my clients even 20 years later. I took all of this kind of understanding. And at the time I was naive, I was 25 myself. I had no idea what I was doing, but I went to a matrimonial convention or a matchmaking event, if you will, that was specifically held by my community. And I went in with the focus thinking, I've got to be serious. I want to meet my person. So I'm going to be in the spaces where I think I'm going to meet them. Uh, and long story short, I met him. I didn't meet him at the speed dating portion. I actually met him at an after party later. But that spoke, again, culturally. I knew he was brown. I knew he fit because he was at the convention. But even for our personal vibe and, and our personal culture, the fact that we met at the after party and we got to know each other in that space really solidified it to me that this is this was my person. He gets me from the whole picture. What percentage of Indian women born in the U.S., would be open to dating an Indian gentleman not born in the U.S.? Unfortunately, May, that number is really, really low. If I had to put a number on it, I would say in my database, it's probably only about 20% of my American-born women who are open to meeting somebody that was born outside of U.S. or Canada. Um, it, it's unfortunate, but I understand. Uh, same reason I also didn't want that. It's because, you know, we come from a culture that might be not as quote unquote modern, or that's the way that it's viewed by a lot of the world is that some, you know, those parts of the, of the world might be a little bit 
behind in the sense of like their dating culture or their attitudes around women in the house and women in the working world. And so women, unfortunately, they get turned off by that. And that's a, a it's a fear factor, it, it almost. So it's easy for you to throw up a filter that says U.S. citizens only and not even have to dive into the nuance of their immigration experience or getting to know them as an individual because there are two billion people in that country. We're not all the same, you know? So would you say men who are born in the U.S., Indian men born in the U.S. are more open to women not born in the U.S., Indian women, or no? What What are your thoughts on, do you think the men are more forgiving and more open to that experience? Yes, I think that my American-born men are definitely more open, um, probably about 40%. 40% of them will say, we prefer somebody raised in America, but we'd be open to at least seeing if they weren't. And I would say the biggest difference is, I told you earlier about the cultural stigma stereotypes or stigma. I think for men, it is easier to go back to the motherland and find a more docile wife or um, listen, immigration dispar disparities the way they are, people are willing to forego a little bit more on the personality and look side because they want to emigrate to this country. So there's a little bit more nuance at play there, which maybe men are more open to than women because of the gender disparities. Now, your husband was also American born. Was he only open to American born women? Okay. A yes, absolutely. And that's why I say he gets me. Like culturally, we were the exact same fit because that was also very important to him. Uh, to meet somebody that was born and raised here who he, afterwards after we met and I mentioned kind of what my criteria this and that is he then was like oh yeah I do like that your parents understand my parents professions and I do like that our families uh, kind of not knew each other but uh, are aware of each other from the back homeland and so he after meeting was like this was important to me but I don't think he knew it ahead of time that's great. That's great. So are you like uh, Auntie Seema as like an Indian matchmaking? Like how do you differ? How do your roles differ, you think, between your company and her company? I like to say yes, because I, I even go by the name Radha Auntie on my WhatsApp and things like that. Because being Indian, being South Asian, it is very much a family concept. A marriage, you're marrying two families. And so traditionally, aunties, uncles, matchmakers were elders in the community that helped people meet one another. Now, Seema is a modern day auntie based out of India. And I love seeing on the show how she took those techniques, fish out of water, they brought her to America and was like, let's see if it works here. Uh, for anybody who's watched the show, I think they realized, no, it does not work here the way that she was using it. But I do, I feel like I learned a lot from her. I learned a lot in the sense that she does take other people's opinions. She does value the community approach to when she's matchmaking, maybe too much. And she neglects what the single is looking for more so than the family. But I would say that we similar in the sense that we understand the culture, we understand the nuance and we're real, we, we can bring that experience to our singles. Where we differ is she's from India, I'm from America. It's just a completely different thought process around why marriage, what's important to two people in a marriage, um, and then bringing in that modern cultural aspect of it. She is in her late 50s. I'm, you know, so culturally, uh, generationally, it's also a little bit different what she values and what she brings versus what I do. But I like 
the concept of being compared to Sima Auntie because that means that people are talking about matchmaking and then they're open to the idea and they have at least a little bit of familiarity with what that concept is. And that gives me an opening to go in and pitch single to Shavi and tell them why this might be the better solution for them. Very nice. Very nice. So what age range men or women have the most success with single to shoddy? Like, what do you suggest your ideal client that you really can help? Can you describe him or her? I would say our success has been late 20s to early 30s. 28 to 35 is where we get the most matches, the most mutual matches. Um, and I would say it's probably because people who are in the 25, 28 to 35, they're established in their career. They kind of know like, hey, this is where I'm going to be. If you're in a medical profession, you've done your training. If you have to study for um, licensing bar exams, you're kind of established. So you've got that time to now work on interpersonal skills and really dive deeper into learning more about who you are, what's important to you, what's special to you, so that when you meet your right person, you bring a full person to the table. Uh, why I think it's also more successful under 35 is, listen, it's a numbers game. At the end of the day, the majority of single people are under the age of 35. And so just demographically, we're going to have more luck in that age range because that's just where the singles are. And any, I would say across any community or background, not just South Asian. So you've been doing this for how long now? How many years? Almost five years. October will be our fifth anniversary. Okay. So almost five years. What is one dating tip that you used to give to people that you no longer really give? Like, what's one dating tip that you thought, you know what, everyone should do this, but then now you're like, oh, uh, let's do more of this instead. I used to tell people that they needed to be kind of like everywhere all the time. So I would tell people like, even if you're not paying for the app, just make sure you're registered and have accounts just to be like out in the universe. While I still believe in putting it out in the universe, I've shifted that a little bit now that it's post-pandemic. Now I'm telling people to tell other people. If you are single, does everybody in your network know you're single? Does everybody in your network know that you'd be willing to be open to a potential setup or a date? You have to advocate for yourself and you never know who out there in your friends group is going to be your matchmaker. So I'm really pushing people to advocate for themselves. That is a great tip because I feel like people just don't know, or they don't know if you're seeing somebody or they don't want to be rude and assume you're single and try to set you up. But if you throw it out there in the universe saying, you know what, I'm single. I would love to meet a great guy. If you know of anybody in your circle, like at work, you know, a neighbor, anybody like your religious mom. institution. Yeah. yeah. Right. And that's making friends. So we have done really, really big strides this year with getting in-person events going again post-pandemic. And that's what I tell that, uh, you know, sometimes people are like, well, why don't you just do speed dating events so we can literally just meet the people that we want to do? Why are we doing happy hours? I want to be able to, for you to establish a local community, make new friends, and a common uh, excuse or thing that I hear from people, Meg, you might have heard this too post-pandemic, is that oh, all my friends are married or nobody I know lives near me anymore. So I tell them, go make new friends. I know it's hard as an adult, but that's what meetup groups are for. Go make people hiking, rock climbing, uh, underwater basket weaving. I don't care because that person might have a sister who has a brother who has a cousin that is single and looking. You have to expand your community and be open to the way the universe is going to send somebody to you. Okay, but how do you go about doing it where 
you don't want to be that girl that looks desperate or you don't want to be that guy that's like, I'll go out with anybody. Like, how do you separate yourself from being that desperate person to still being single and letting people know? Like, how should you let others know that you're single and available and open to being set up without looking desperate? I think if you feel desperate, then you're going to look desperate, right? That's some of that internal work. Nobody's desperate. You're not going to die if you don't get married, right? If that's not the situation, so take that desperation out of it. And if you feel that you're coming off as desperate, that anxiety, got to do some more inner work. But on the other side, you also don't want to be, I get what your point is, like you don't want to be like walking around to everybody, hey, do you know I'm single? Did you know I'm single? Yeah, you, you don't want to be that. I would say find that common connection, right? If you're an introvert, you're not going to go out there advertising your single status. But if you go to a meetup group and you guys are doing a ceramic painting event and you're sitting next to this, just a fun, a guy or a girl and you're sitting next to you and you have a good conversation. And then maybe they live in your same building and you guys meet up for a coffee. And then next time she brings a friend with her to a coffee meetup and you like her friend. I don't know. It's as simple as that. But it takes that time and energy. You can't expect to go to one event or one outing and be like, all right, universe, send everybody my way. You have to be putting in that time and energy in a way that's going to be fulfilling and recharging for you. I'm not telling you to go out ballroom dancing if that's not your style, but by exploring your interests and furthering your personal growth will put people in your life that are also on the same wavelength as you and get you so that those introductions will be just that much more impactful. Yes. Yes. So what other tips can you give people if they're doing an event and they're hanging out with new people at a meetup group or Eventbrite or Facebook group, how should they act or be at an event that makes people want to talk to them? Interesting. Yeah. I think that goes into kind of like your social skills, your comfort level, meeting new people, Hopefully, if you are a little bit more shy and introverted, you're not going to a young professionals networking event that has 500 people at a bar because that is intimidating. Absolutely. You don't even know where to start. So I would say definitely lean into your interests. Um, I had a, a, a client recently who got into knitting during the pandemic. She's in her early, like mid 20s. She's an amazing young woman who just picked up knitting. And so now she, she's joined a knitting circle. And you know what she told me? She's like, there's half of the knitting circle is men maybe not Indian men, but they're men. And so what they do afterwards is they go to a, have a drink at the bar or maybe they'll go out as a group for dinner. But this is an example. That knitting circle is now her social group. Could be anything. Yeah, it could be anything. Seriously, like pickleball is so popular. You know, even like roller skating is back or hiking, of course, it's always interesting but it could be different levels of hiking too it could be like intermediate it could be beginners it could be you know advanced like there's so many different pockets of people that I feel like if you're truly single and you want to meet someone you can do it just find one thing that you're interested in right like how can you be that boring right. if you don't have one interest like that would be a problem right so yeah exactly and and what I also tell people if you're like you and I, ambitious go-getter types, then create the spaces. If you're not finding the underwater basket weaving group that you want, meetups are free. Just create one and see who comes to you. Yeah, I like that. I like that. So you've been doing this business for about five years. Congratulations, right? Because after five years, it's when you're like, okay, I, I think I'll stick around for a while. Like the first five years of any business, 
is um, kind of tricky. So what would you suggest that, I guess there are many things that you know now that you wish you knew sooner. What are some things that you wish you know a lot sooner with your business? Well, one of them is you creating community with my fellow matchmaking community. You were one of the first people who took me under her wing, introduced me to everybody, gave me the lowdown and gave me your personal experiences really candidly and openly. Um, so I would say create community. At first I thought, I don't need to hang out with non-Indian matchmakers. They don't know what they're talking about. Or non-Indians in general. At first, I'm like, this is very niche. I can find everything that I need just through the small Indian community. And that's when I realized that I need, if I'm telling my clients to be open, then I also need to be open. And I've made such beautiful connections, had amazing opportunities come my way because I remained open about that. And so creating community, I would have done that way, way sooner in hindsight. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I kind of was the opposite. Like I, when I started this, uh, 15 years ago, people were saying, yeah, you're not going to be able to collaborate with other people, but I just started calling matchmakers on the phone in Los Angeles. And I'm still friends with the people that I connected with a long time ago. And I think it was kind of unique. Like people weren't really collaborating a whole lot back then. So I love it. I love anytime I have an opportunity to get people together. I mean, you know, we do our monthly calls and it's so fun to see other matchmakers, what they're up to, because me being a solopreneur is not easy, right? Like you want to have friends, right. you want to rely on others and bounce ideas off of each other and things like that. So, okay, got it, got it. And the opportunity you provided this platform is such a huge opportunity to give somebody smaller like me a, a, a path forward. So you really, truly do embody that. And I would say that I picked up on that right away. So thank you. Yeah, that was fun times in New York. So, um, okay. Pre-pandemic. <laughs> Pre-pandemic, right? So your events, tell me about those for the audience who want to participate. I know you said you have events all across the U.S., can you tell us a little bit about the events and how do people get involved and where do they find you? Absolutely. So there's a lot. Um, I think New York Times just did a, an article about this. The post-pandemic, people are craving the in-real-life experiences again. They've either shifted back to um, either their home communities, they've bought houses now because they're working from home. So they're now trying to kind of reacquaint and reestablish where they are in their new spaces. So our goal at Single Ashabi is to help you make your community, create community where you're at. While we do have an annual speed dating event, the majority of our events are about finding a bar in your neighborhood, getting a group together, like you would be having a meetup group, if you will, but it's just organized by our team. We'll do anything from happy hours to we've done baseball games, we've done bowling, um, we've done arcades, really uh, we did a comedy show. So really just wanting to bring experiences in your local community and if you needed friends to go do something here you go you got a friend who lives 20 minutes down the street from you you guys are going to meet up at the ballpark and we're going to go watch the game together so i think what makes our events different versus like the regular speed dating and the matchmaking which we still do is that we want you to make that friend whose brother sister's ex-cousin is going to set you up in the future um and i think that's really responding and really really resonating with our people because a lot of these niche dating apps, if you're using some like the South Asian dating apps, um, location is the biggest complaint that they get. 
um, with our diaspora being so spread out, a lot of our people are more about like, what part of India is your family from? What's your religious background? What's your dietary preference? All of those tend to take more weight or more precedence than the location. But as I mentioned, post-pandemic and that second generation, people who grow up in this country, they're ready to find their local people but and creating roots and community where they're at. So I'm, I'm loving that we're able to still keep the singles element going, but creating friendships and lifelong community in all of these areas. So is there another company that does what you do or single to shoddy is pretty much the standard in connecting Indian men and women? Single to shoddy is completely unique in what we do. There is nobody out there that works for same-sex couples. There's nobody out there will do inner, you know, we don't use cast. We don't use horoscope and matching. We are very much not your parents' matchmaker, as our tagline says. So while we do work with lots of other South Asian matchmakers out there, we, again, me loving community, we all help each other out and, and, and try to match with one another. Single Shadi is the only matchmaking team out there that also offers online dating support. So if you want to stay on the apps, we can help you there. We do coaching, we do photography, and really any aspect of your journey from single to Shadi, we're here to help you and make this experience better for you. Because our ultimate goal is really just matching people up with the right person with the goal of being together. Loneliness is hard. And that pandemic taught us anything, it's that being alone is just as deadly as, as any other disease that's out there. So I'm just trying to do my part. We are just trying to do our part, make sure people are finding that connection. Um, and if it turns into marriage, obviously that's what we're looking for. That's our intention, but marriage is not necessarily the goal. So how would you know if you're just depressed or you're staying at home and you just, you talked about that, like during the pandemic, some people are just lonely like how do you know if you're just so lonely that you need help or so lonely that you need to take the first step in finding a community do you know what I mean like yeah what if you don't know you are lonely you're just doing your own thing and you're just an introvert like versus lacking. but then you maybe you're not lonely I know plenty of people who, you know, love their life. I'll have clients who say to me, you know, I'm, I love my life. I'm set in my own ways. And I'm just here in, on the off chance you find me a unicorn. They're not even actively looking. They just want to be in the database. So it's okay. You, it, loneliness is a condition that can be treated. Doesn't mean everybody has to have loneliness. You can be alone and not feel lonely. So if you don't think you're lonely, then you're not. It's okay. But if you are and you feel this longing, this um, desire for connection or touch or things like that, then maybe that's an indication that you need somebody else in your life. And it doesn't have to be a, a significant other. It could just be finding a new friend, getting a mentor and just changing, shaking things up a little bit. Yeah, it sounds like what you're saying is that at the events that people can meet friends of the same sex, right? You can make platonic friends or hopefully romantic friends, but it's okay just to build the community and get out there and meet others and share. And because bottom line is we are all better with someone else in our lives, right? Like you said, whether it's a romantic relationship or just being friends, we all crave that. We all crave that kind of energy and connection in our lives. I know I do. So absolutely. That's why we do this, right? Because people inherently we're social creatures we weren't designed to be alone and if you if, if that's the way you choose to live your life that's totally fine 
but I think that we're all kind of striving and driving towards finding connection. Okay, one last question. I know, I know the popular books that we all read, good for our relationships and communication and talking about our love lives, but what is one book out there, one or two books that you really felt like has made an impact in your life as a matchmaker and as a person? Um, at Single Shabby, we have a book club and this month's book was very impactful and meaningful to me. It's called If the Buddha Dated. The author takes the philosophical wisdom from all these religions, Eastern and Western religions. I know it says that the Buddha dated, but she pulls in Sufism. She pulls in Christian love. Like you hear all the different religions and she pulls out the philosophy and shows you that love is is of an essence of, of who we are, how we interact with it causes pain. How do you deal with that pain? What are, I don't want to say faith-based, what are spiritual ways to understand these feelings and drive you towards an ultimate outcome? So I'm only halfway through the book, but I absolutely freaking love it because it makes you stop and think. And she also, the author also says, it's not just about love and romance. These are practical application tools for any relationship that you have. Could be a mother-child relationship, could be coworker relationship. The concept of relationship is what she's driving at. So I love that book. Um, and then number two, anything written by Esther Perel. She is a genius in my mind. And if I listen to a lot of audiobooks. Her little accent is so cute and very authoritative. And I just want to be like, yep, everything you say, I'm going to write it down and do it to a boat, do a T. Uh, but yeah, honestly, her podcast is amazing. Um, she does, I don't know if she still actively writes like uh, uh, columns or subscription, but she's just a very, very smart woman. And I, I, I love following all of her stuff. I have this one that I is on my to, to read list, uh, Mating in Captivity. Have you read that? Yes, that's her most famous one. And that's an excellent book. Yeah, yes, 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 yes. So you've read <laughs> all of her books. Or I've done a combination of like sports notes on a lot of them. <laughs> Wait, what is that? Like Cliff Notes version or what? Yeah, I like Cliff Notes versions. Yep, there's um Blinkist. I'm not getting paid by them at all, but there's an app that, that will summarize books for you. And so I've heard a lot of hers through that. Okay, when they summarize books for you in like 15 minutes, do you still get the gist of the book though? I feel like I'm going to be missing out on the lessons or... Do you know what I mean? Like I, I do. Okay. You do. You feel uh, like it's enough. And if I find like, one, I just, I'm, I'm a sponge. I just love being exposed to information. So I'll just listen to it. Maybe I'm not catching everything, but if it's an author I'm into, if it's a point that I heard and was like, oh, this is cool, then I'll dive deeper. And then I'll go and, you know, read more or maybe purchase the book and dive deeper. But it's just nice to be exposed. Listen, we live in a, a, in a world of 24-7 constant content being thrown at us all the time. And as relationship experts, we need to do the due diligence of being on trend and presenting the right topics for our clients. So I, I'm exposed to a lot of stuff, but I want to pick out the gems and really incorporate them into my philosophy and how I work with my clients. I love it. I love it. Well, Radha Patel, thank you so much for joining me. I will put a link in the show notes about any contact information you have. Give us one last dating tip that you have that you're like, man, I wish I would have told my sister or cousin or best friend this dating tip a while ago. FaceTime is your friend. That is my dating tip. 
And I'll just say it really quickly. We have the technology. Let's use it to our advantage. No more bad dates. No more frustrating experiences. If you could take 30 minutes from the comfort of your home to do a little bit of extra vetting, it will save you so much anxiety and drama down the line. Okay. So you're a fan of FaceTime dates just to get to know them, like a zero date, if you will. And um, a zero date. Yeah. I love yeah. that term. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> And not even a date. There's so many fun ways to incorporate. I don't think you need to be all like, call me at this date. At that time, we have 30 minutes. Uh, I heard on, again, through all of my myriad of content that I consume, I mentioned, somebody had mentioned to me, um, if you're texting in a conversation and it's gone back and forth seamlessly, instantly, if you will, three or four, suggest that in there. Hey, sounds like you, you're free. Do you want to just jump on a phone call or a FaceTime with me? I love it. I so love that it. it's a little bit sp spontaneous. You can judge how do they feel, like how do they react under pressure? Are they giving you excuses? Or are they like, okay, maybe not right now, but let me propose an alternative. You just get to learn so much more about them through that quick little interaction. Okay, so that could be a challenge for you guys out there listening. So try Rada's tip. And for those of you single ladies out there, please register with me at twoasianmatchmakers.com. Be part of my database. I would love a chance to set you up and to set you up with a great guy. And then if you're single out there, I would love to work with you. So thank you so much for joining me today. And I will see everybody later. Thank you. Bye, Rada.